0: It brings me back to um, our recent baptism as a family in the fall. It was a really special time, um, something I was looking forward to, and we just never really had the opportunity. As a family, we'd been walking with the Lord uh, for at least nine years, and it was exciting. I knew some of my kids were ready. Um, I wasn't totally sure about my fourth guy, Aaron, who just turned nine. So we had a really good conversation with each one of our kids, Chris and I, and just wanted to kind of get a pulse on where they were. And Aaron was remarkably ready to be baptized. He was, um, as the Bible says, had the childlike faith. And I was really excited um, to make that that public declaration. Um, And as I went to bed, I had a heart of gratitude and just praying and thanking God for everything he's done for our family over the years. It made me think of when I met Jesus. When I was 30, right when I had had Aaron Um, I definitely recommitted to the Lord, and I thought that might have been the time that I really had met Jesus, Um, but it wasn't true. I had an instant memory um, to the point where it was the smells of my old house um, on Grace Avenue, my childhood home, the comforter that I was, you know, the white and brown blanket that I was covering myself with, and the light hanging above my head in the chair, And I immediately knew at that moment, um, I had this overcoming peace. Uh, There was a song that I remembered, and I won't sing it to you, I do not have a good voice, but I remember each word perfectly. And it was, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you today, because you cared for me in such a special way. I praise you, I lift you up, I magnify your name. That's why my heart's filled with praise. And I just instantly felt at peace. I knew I loved the Lord, I was singing to him. I had that childlike faith. Um, And I really probably didn't know much of the Bible. I knew the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, things that I had been taught in my Catholic upbringing and at my school. Um, But the love from spiritual leaders in my life, my family members, my church, um, it really poured into me and showed me the hands and feet of Jesus to allow me to accept the Holy Spirit and know who he was. I had a long way to go. It was gonna be a while before I really became biblically minded, I guess, or or understood scripture really well, Um, but I was a work in progress and God took me right where I was. And there's a scripture that really spoke to me during this time that I just want to share with you. So in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. Um, And this is just such a poignant scripture for me, um, because it encapsulates how I felt at the age of seven when I first met Jesus and how he met me time and time again um, throughout my life, um, really helping me to mature in him and know him more.
1: welcome once again. I have so enjoyed this series, How I Met Jesus, and I love hearing everybody's stories. Isn't it awesome? Um, And so thank you so much, Laura, for sharing your story with us today. Hey, you can jump in on the action. I don't know if you saw my Facebook and Instagram post this last week, but hey, anyone, share your story on Facebook or social media if you're into that. Um, and let us know how you met Jesus and, and share it with the world. Man, this is something that, that people need to know. That man, God is still meeting people where they're at and still changing lives and, and it is just awesome. How many of you know it only, takes, it only takes one moment? It only takes one interaction. It only takes you know, meeting one person or, or one word or one act to completely change your life for the good or the bad. You know, many of us, we can look back to just one moment in our life and we're like, that's the moment everything changed. And it might not even been for the good, it might have been for the bad. But one moment can change everything. And so, man, I'm so glad that you're here today because, hey, we're not just hearing people's stories about meeting Jesus. Our prayer during this service is that every single person that walks in this building or watches online, and if you're with us online today, we're so glad that you're there, but that everyone, that interacts with this church can have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And so in the first week of the series, we talked about Zacchaeus. Last week, we talked about blind Bartimaeus. This week, we're talking about the man at the pool of Bethesda. And this is kind of an interesting story because we don't even get to know that guy's name, okay? We don't even get to know his name. But like I said, it it just takes one interaction with Jesus to completely change your life. And in Romans 5.17, it talks about this, that from the sin of one man, Adam, and if you don't know the backstory, Adam was the the first man to ever live. God created Adam and Eve, right? And from Adam's sin, it says that it caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And so I don't know if you could put yourself in those shoes, but, but I've messed up my life, and it took Jesus to fix it and put it back together. And I'm not perfect, and all that I am today is because of the grace and mercy of that one man, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so regardless of where you're coming from today, what, what you've brought in with you, man, I just hope that this is a message of hope for you today. Because when Jesus walks in the scene of your life, things change. Lives are restored. Hope is found. And so if you want to turn uh, in your notes or in your Bible today to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, that's where our story is, comes from today. And if you have the Mosaic Church app, you can open it there as well, and, and the notes are, are there. Let's read this story together. It says Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds, man, just get this mental picture. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me Pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. What a journey, even in this short passage. And I just love that because as we've heard different people's stories throughout this series, it's all a journey. And a lot of times it stretches out over a lifetime. And I love that, that at the moment that this guy encountered Jesus, he didn't even know his name. He just knew that healing was close. He couldn't get there, but somebody stepped in to his life. And I think that so echoes many of our stories when, as we go through life. We know that, that there's a purpose greater than what we're living out. We know that life has to be bigger than just the 9 to 5 and getting up and going to school and, and eating and going to bed and doing it all over again. And, and after, we're, after a while, we, we just kind of get tired of it and, we're, when, and we think to ourselves, is this all there is to life? And kind of like this sick man close to the Pool of Bethesda, just a little background, this pool was there that, that the Spirit of God would come and, and stir the waters, and if, if people were in the water at just the right time, they could get healed. It's a miracle, right? And sometimes in life, we feel stuck in our circumstances, we still feel stuck in our routine, and we feel like, man, there's something there. There's something more to life. There's something, that I a way that I could get, engage with God, but I just can't get there, I don't know how. Nobody's there to help me. Have you ever felt like a miracle or a life change or something, something really purposeful in life is just right there but it's just out of your reach? And it's like, ah, just, I don't have anybody to show me the way, I don't have anybody to tell me how to do this thing called life. And so we can all put ourselves in the shoes of this man that just couldn't get to the water and so Jesus, like I said, he walks into the scene, and it only takes one moment. It only takes one moment, and I just wanna just reach out right now to maybe those of you that you don't know what this whole church thing is all about, you don't, maybe you're checking it out online, and, and you're just reaching. You're like, I don't even know what I'm reaching for. I don't even know if Jesus is the answer. I don't even know if a church is what I need. And, and I would just tell you today, it's okay. When this man encountered Jesus, he didn't even know who he was. Stay on the journey. Keep kicking the tires. Keep figuring it out. Keep seeking, because just like that verse that Laura read in her video, man, when you seek God with all of your heart, you're going to find him. And so we're all on a journey, and the thing that I love more about God than anything else is that Just like he does for all of us, for this man, when he showed up in his life, Jesus' grace for the man was completely unprovoked and undeserved. Another way the Bible says this is that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And so this man didn't cry out to Jesus. He didn't, he obviously didn't even know Jesus was coming. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And Jesus shows up in his life, and so that's the first blank in your notes today. Jesus's grace for the man was completely unprovoked and completely undeserved. Think about this, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, laying on the porches. Man, I just can't even imagine the picture. Day after day, year after year, I don't know that it's not it's not explicitly clear in the scripture whether he actually just lived there on the porch or or whether he was brought there every day. It's it doesn't tell us. But what we know is that he's he'd been sick for 38 years and somehow he made his way to that porch, probably in hopes of getting healed and just couldn't get to the water. But Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him and asked him, would you like to get well? Right. And the man just said, hey, here's where I'm at. And I want want to just encourage you today, whatever is going on in your life today, even if you don't even know if it's the right answer, a lot of times when we come to God, we feel like, man, I got to have the right answer. I got to have the right words. And this guy was just honest. God, you know, yeah, I want to get well, but I can't. I can't do it on my own. Someone always gets there ahead of me. You know, circumstances in life have held me back. Now, Remember last week, our character was blind Bartimaeus and he was by the side of the road, he was marginalized. Everybody told him to shut up, you know, just stay out of the way, Jesus is coming through. But if we thought blind Bartimaeus was unseen and marginalized, actually, this guy takes the cake. We don't even know his name. This guy has been there, you know, hurting for 38 years. He is like the unseen of the unseen, Five porches full of sick and deaf and lame and blind people. And he's the one that never makes it to the water. Man, it just makes me think that that's exactly what the devil wants your life to be like. He wants you to think that no one sees you, that no one cares, that there's no hope, that you're never going to be able to take that step that you need to take to meet Jesus. I know for my life that the devil will always take more than you wanted to give, and he'll always abandon you and isolate you further than you thought possible until you get to this place where you just feel like, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't. Jesus, on the other hand, will always give what you don't deserve, and he will search further than you thought possible. He'll go to the unseen of the unseen, to the marginalized of the marginalized. He will go there where no one else is going. When you find yourself completely alone, completely abandoned, don't be surprised to find Jesus show, showing up on your porch. Isn't that good? It reminds me of a documentary I saw recently and I can't, can't remember the name of the documentary, but it was basically um, outlining the rescue story of that Thai soccer team that got trapped in the cave uh, a few years back. And, and it was all over the news, and so you probably heard about it, but there's, there's a really cool documentary that tells the whole story. And just to summarize, you know, this, this team of, of, of uh, 12 boys and a coach— They had had practice that day and then they were celebrating somebody's birthday party so they went to play in these caves and just so you know, it was normal for the kids to do that in the non-rainy season. So they happened to go into this cave just a week before the official rainy season was supposed to start and as they're in the cave, it begins to rain but they didn't know and all of a sudden, the waters rise so quickly in the cave that they are trapped in the cave. They're trapped in a part where the ground was a little bit higher, but the water rose. And so to get out of the cave, they would literally have to go under the water for hundreds and hundreds of meters. And obviously, that's impossible. And so immediately, rescue teams start to try to figure out how in the world are they going to find these boys? A lot of people thought they're dead, they're gone, there's no hope. So as the days go on and and people are desperate and trying to figure it out, um, they, they heard of these two divers in Britain who exclusively are experts on cave diving. And these guys have day jobs, they're just normal dudes, but they just have this passion for diving in caves, which I had no idea, but I guess is super niche, it takes special equipment, and really no one knows how to do it. And so they had the, the, the Thai Navy SEALs, they had the Air Force pararescue men who are divers, and, and these guys are the experts of the experts. They had other nations, special forces on the scene. And guess who knew how to find these boys the best and how to actually dive all the way to where they're at? These two Joe Schmoes from Britain who just do it as a hobby, right? And so I just love that, that when no one else in the world knew how to get to these boys, these two random guys come across the world and show up and figure out how to get to the boys. And so over the next few weeks, they start getting supplies into them. And and it's, and it's, it's a huge ordeal just to get to them and back. One of the Thai Navy SEALs dies in the process. Tragic. And just to fast forward, just so, so you know, they got them all out. And it was an absolute miracle. But the links that they went to, and, and it was something like between like three and 5,000 volunteers came to help. I mean, it was like a whole army descended on the scene just to get those boys out of there. And just like that, a lot of times you find yourself isolated. You find yourself marginalized. You find yourself abandoned in life. And you feel like nobody knows what you've been through. You feel like nobody knows where you've been. And you really feel like no one can really get to your heart and help you. But just like that, Jesus walks into this guy's life. And he was out in the open. He wasn't in a cave. He wasn't underwater. He wasn't hard to get to him. But you guarantee he felt that way. And Jesus walks right up to him and says, would you like to get well? And this same question Jesus is asking you today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And Jesus brings this grace into his life. The man didn't even ask for it. He just said, I can't. And it was this, this broken and this contrite heart that Jesus extends grace to the man, Right? He was the forgotten of the forgotten. You know what's crazy is it doesn't even tell us that Jesus healed everybody on the porches that day, but he saw that man. He didn't even know who healed him, but Jesus said, Get up, take your mat, and walk. And so in your life, you don't have to do anything to earn the grace of God. You can't. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you more or less. His love for you stands on its own and by itself and will never change. And if you're thinking to yourself, what in the world did I do to deserve that? Nothing. It's just how good Jesus is. Remember I said it only takes one moment. And my prayer for you is that you just have that aha moment that God loves you more than your past is holding you back. God loves you and sees you in that dark place where you found yourself. And he wants to save you today. Number two, what do we learn about how the, this man at the pool of Bethesda met Jesus? We learn that there will always be someone denying the reality of your changed life. You see, when you meet Jesus and you, and you start to walk towards him and you start to walk with him, it's not always smooth sailing. And, and immediately, right after the, after, off the bat, this man started to encounter some resistance. In John 5, 9 through 13, it says that instantly, the man was healed, amen, hallelujah. Like, what, what just happened, this is amazing. So he's healed, he rolls up his sleeping mat, he begins walking, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath, the law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. I love it. Have I told you yet that your life's a journey? It's a journey. And so the healing of of this man showed that Jesus had authority over the physical world, right? And a lot of times we just focus on that. We want to see these miracles. We want to see this miraculous physical healing, which is so cool. And by the way, it still happens today. But Jesus also broke this man's law, the Jewish Sabbath law, and this showed his authority to determine the rules of worship. Like, what does it look like to worship God? And we see that these Jewish leaders were totally stuck in a dead religion. How many of you, let's just be honest, have, have gone to church before and you walked out after church and you're like, eh, that was kind of dead today. Right. And, and trust me, I'm a pastor and I've preached a lot and I've walked out of church having preached the service and thought to myself, I was kind of dead today. And so if you felt that way, you know, you're not alone. Trust me. Right. It happens. Because on our own, in our own devices, going through the motions sometimes, just going through life, we find ourselves in places where it's like, ah, man, my faith is just kind of dead today. But these, these Jewish leaders had gone so far into their deadness spiritually that they couldn't even see when God showed up. And I would just encourage you that if you come to church week after week after week and and you're just like, oh, it's, you know, I'm not seeing anything. Then it might not be the church anymore and it might not be the other people. It might not be everybody else because a lot of times we think, oh, what's wrong with them or what's wrong with that church or what's wrong with, you know, um, what you know, what's wrong with the world? It could be that a part of your heart has spiritually died. And it's way easier to get there than We think because if you're stuck in dead religion, you're going to be absolutely powerless to minister to a desperate and dying world. And we see this in the lives of these Jewish leaders. They couldn't even see the miracle right in front of them. They did not ask the man, who is the man that has helped and healed you so much? They didn't even ask him, who who did this amazing thing for you? They said, who's the man that broke the religious law? right? So 38 years, this guy's sick, and they didn't even care that he was well. They were spiritually blind. And think about this in your own life. If people like that can't see the good in this man's healing, they'll probably find something wrong in your life too. They'll probably be picking on you too. They'll probably say, I'm not sure if you can, or I'm not sure if you're ready, or I'm not sure if you're good enough. And guess what? You'll never be good enough. I'm not good enough to stand where I'm at today. It's only by the grace of God. It's only by His grace. The loudest boos always come from the cheapest cheapest seats, right? Being critical is a cheap gift and anyone can be an expert at it. And so these guys are looking at this dude's life. He didn't even know who healed him. And they just begin to critique. Well, you're doing it wrong. And, and I can only imagine that he's like, I'm healed. I don't know how to do this wrong. Right? I just love though he just stayed on the journey. And when we see this part of the story, a lot of us would say to ourselves, I would never do that. I would never pick on somebody like that. I would never hold somebody to an unrealistic standard. I would never you know, expect something from somebody that they didn't even know to give. But unfortunately, we fall into that trap more, more than we'd like to admit. The very fact, think about this, that this man was in need for 38 years laying so close to healing and he couldn't get in the water, I think this is the message to us that it leaves none of us without an excuse. It leaves none of us without an excuse because the Jewish leaders weren't the first ones to not see him. The Jewish leaders weren't the first ones to not help him. Everyone ignored the need This man had no, you think about it, he had no advocate before the healing and he had no advocate after. And what does that tell us? What's the timeless principle for us today? It's not religion that saves you. You're not saved by going to church. You're not saved by just showing up and checking it off the calendar. You could even read your Bible every day. But if you're just letting knowledge puff up your heart and make you prideful, and you're not seeing the world and seeing your life through the eyes of a loving savior, then you're missing it, missing it. It's the person of Jesus Christ and Christ alone that brings healing and hope to our lives. It's not just a religious checklist of do's and don'ts. It's laying our lives on the altar and saying, God, here's my life, just like that song we sang today. It's saying, Christ be magnified above everything else in my life because you're worthy Not what I do or can't do or what I'm good at or what I'm not good at. And I love it, Jesus never ignores those who call on him. And he even goes sometimes to those who don't even call on him. That's how good his grace is. Number three, meeting Jesus transforms your future. Meeting Jesus transforms your future. You know, this guy didn't know who had healed him, right, at this point in the story. And his future wasn't yet transformed. He he had just begun his journey, right? And you might feel like that, that you just started coming to church. You just started following Jesus. Maybe you've recommitted your life, and you don't have everything figured out yet. You don't know, know where to find the book of John and the Bible, and that's okay. That's okay. Because just like this man, you're on a journey, But it says in verses 14 and 15 that afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something else, something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. And so I love this, I love this. You can't stay the same after you've had an encounter with Christ. He didn't stay in the same place. He moved on from from the porch, right? and he found himself in the temple. He got a new schedule. He found him at church. I love this. He had been lame for 38 years. If he couldn't get to the pool, he probably couldn't get to the temple, right? If he couldn't even you know, move a few feet, he probably wasn't going to church. But God changes his life, heals him, and he can't be the same again. His schedule changes. And what we see from Jesus' challenge to him is that grace doesn't mean that you keep on sinning. Grace doesn't mean that your life changes the same, but you just feel better about yourself. Grace doesn't mean that God just removes the shame and removes the guilt, and you go on like nothing ever happened. Man, this man moving from the porch to the temple and being found there seeking God is such a powerful picture for you and me. It says to that, man, once once God heals your heart, once he changes your life, you don't have to stay in the same place. You don't have to stay with the same friends, you know, with the same kind of influence over your life. You don't have to stay with the same everything that you used to have. There's something better. Religiosity would say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. Christ's love and his grace in your life says, stop sinning because there's something better for you. There's a better way. You see, when you meet Jesus, you begin to see everything in a new light. And you begin to think with through the lens of hope that if Jesus can make a lame man walk, then he can probably also purify the desires of your heart. Amen. Meaning Jesus transforms your future. Man, if he can do that, he can heal you from your addiction. If he can do that, He can heal your marriage. If he can do that, he can help you step outside of that life of of maybe sexual immorality that you found yourself in that you just, you feel completely hooked by. And you feel like you just can't get off the hook. He went from being lame in one moment to being healed, to being challenged by Christ to change his behavior. And then he's witnessing to everybody that he knows. Love it. And so the question is, who's stopping you? Who's stopping you from letting your life completely be transformed by the power of Christ? Jesus healed this man's body, but being saved was less about the condition of his body and more about the posture of his heart. And we see this because Jesus showed back in his life. See, Jesus' end goal wasn't to heal his body. Jesus' end goal was to give him a new future and a new direction. That's why Jesus showed back up and said, stop sinning. Go a new way, go a different way, right? Love that. Listen, our prayers shouldn't stop at the temporary. Our prayers, when we cry out to God, when we meet Jesus, when we know that, man, there's something out there in life that we just can't get our hands on, we know that there's a purpose for us that we just can't seem to articulate, when we know that there's more to life than this, Our prayers can't stop when the temporary need is met. Because some of you, you're gonna pray and God's gonna meet you right where you're at and you're gonna be healed. Or you're gonna get that job. Or your relationships are gonna get better. And that those those external circumstances of your life, he's gonna meet those needs. But the lesson here is that Jesus didn't just come to meet your need, he came to completely transform your life and change your direction, right? God didn't just touch his body. He began to touch his mind and his spirit and every fiber of his being. And that's God's hope for you and me also. God, heal me, but change me from the inside out, right? God, be the Lord of my choices. God, be the Lord of my family. God, be the Lord of, my, of how I interact at my workplace and in the marketplace. God, be the Lord of my ambitions. I wanna encourage you, churches, as you go on this journey to meet Jesus, and, and just like all these stories we've heard, it, it's, there's encounters along the way, and you continue to get to know him more and more and more. And so as you meet Jesus, don't just settle for a moment. Don't just settle for a moment. God wants your whole life. It only takes one moment to completely change the trajectory of your life. But but because of that one moment when you meet Jesus, you can experience a whole lifetime of transformation. And that's God's plan for you. And so don't just settle for a feeling. Don't just settle for one experience. God wants to give you the kingdom. God wants you to be a joint heir in all that he has for you. Join heirs with Christ. That's what that means, that, that everything that God afforded to Jesus, guess what? You're his children too. And sometimes we just have this small view. It's like, oh, maybe God will just help me get a little bit better. Maybe God could just help my marriage. Maybe God could just help my finances. Maybe God can just help this one part of my life. And God, if you help this one part of my life, God, you know, I'll serve you forever. And i'm just like why stop there why stop there man when we meet jesus our view of him and what he can do in our life explodes and jesus is going to show up in your life and you're going to meet him but then just like he did with this man he's going to circle back around and he's going to continue to continue to challenge and expand your view and keep calling you towards something Some of you today, God is speaking right into your life and he's saying, I've saved you, I am saving you, I'm sanctifying you, I'm preparing you for a work, for a purpose, for something bigger than you can even possibly imagine. The Holy Spirit is speaking right into your heart today. And if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. And he says, you've got a life to lead. You've got a family to lead. You've got a ministry to lead. You've got friends, you've got families, you've got neighbors to tell about Jesus. And he's he's asking you, where are you at today? Do you find yourself on the porch, need of healing? Do you find yourself in that place where you just don't even know how to take the next step? You don't know how to get in the pool? Do you find yourself in the temple and Jesus is challenging you? Hey, you need to get this this other part of your life in order. Where are you at today as you're meeting Jesus? And I just wanna challenge you. You don't have to stay next to the pool waiting. You can meet Jesus today. You don't just have to come to church. You can lay your life at Jesus' feet and say, here I am, everything. And you can become all that God has created you to be. Jesus' grace is here for you today, completely unprovoked and undeserved. And I just want to encourage you right now to quiet all the other voices in your life and listen to Jesus today. It's time for a transformation, not just a moment. So what does Jesus want to do? What, what do What steps do you have to take so that You're not just seeking a a feeling or a moment or just one little thing. What do you have to do to say, God, here's my whole life? What do you gotta do? For some of you, it's, it's time to surrender your life to Christ for the first time. And why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we say, God, here's my life, here's my heart, I give it to you? Because Jesus did the same thing for you and for me. Jesus, the son of God, he left his throne in heaven he came and he and he took on flesh, he became a man. He was born of the virgin, he lived a sinless life. Then he took that long journey to the cross. He was nailed to a cross, he bled, he was he was beaten, he was whipped. His blood was poured out for you and for me. Why did he do all that to pay the price for your sin and mine? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he paid the wages for your sin and mine by laying his own life down on a cross. He did all that so that he could get close to you and me, so that he could pave the way for you to have a relationship with God once again so that he could take the sin out of your life and onto himself and pay that price. On the third day, after he he, he died on that cross, he rose again. Why? To show you and me that he has power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And in the same way that he conquered the grave, he can help you live a victorious life over sin. And so why do we surrender our lives to Christ? because of what Jesus did for us. And so if it's time for you to give your heart and your life to Christ today, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and if you're watching online today, you you can participate right where you're at. If that's you today and you'd like to give your life to Christ today, just raise your hand and say, God, that's me. Here's my life, here's my life. I surrender all to you, amen. If you raised your hand, you can put it down And I'm gonna ask everybody in this room and online today to to repeat this prayer after me. And let's say this prayer together with those that raise their hands, just loud and proud because we love Jesus. Repeat after me, let's say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender all. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again and you did it for me. I accept your free gift of salvation. I trust you with my life. I admit I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Come into my life today and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give those that accepted Christ today a huge hand. Amen. You're here today. This is the second challenge. And you say, Man, Joe, I found myself kind of caught in that religious web that maybe the Jewish leaders found themselves in. And I'm having trouble seeing the need. And because I can't see the need, I can't live on point and on purpose. And you say, God, help me to open my eyes to the ways that you want to use me to help people meet Jesus. Because How many of you know that we don't need to act like those Jewish leaders acted? We need to help people meet Jesus. We need to do whatever we can to remove every barrier so that people can see Jesus for who he is. And so if that's you uh, today, as I pray this closing prayer, let's just bow our hearts um, before God and say, God, use us. God, we are here today, and we don't wanna fall into that trap. God, we wanna be people that help people get to Jesus, not hold them back. And so help us to to align ourselves with your mission, help us to align ourselves with what you're doing and help others meet Jesus. God, I just pray as we go about our weeks and and the relationships that we find ourselves in, whether we're at school or at home or at work, wherever we're at, God, help us to be people that help others get to Jesus and find healing and grace in the name of Jesus Christ and not create barriers to help them, to, to, to keep them away. Help us, Lord. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.